Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, we always massively appreciate your time and your company uh, for this episode and always for checking out past ones too. You can go to foreverinelectricdreams.com for our full backlist catalog uh, and uh, your freedom to listen uh, at your leisure. My name's Imran. I'm joined by the team on mass today. We have TJ Sutherland. How are you today, dude? How many E's was that? Um, yes, I'm good. <laughs> uh, while I count, let's say hi to Dan. Dan, how are you? Hello. <laughs> I should have guessed that that would be. Um, we're, we're, let's we'll, we'll give a minor disclaimer. We have been littered with technical issues before pressing record, so we will, hopefully you'll get to hear this in, as as intended. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, one thing we can say: Just this will be um, TJ's okay. final episode for uh, for for a couple of a couple of episodes because TJ is taking an entire month away um, uh, to. Um, well, where where are you going, dude? Tell us about your, your um, amazing experience. Of- I'm going for a very, very long walk. Um, <laughs> In one direction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to uh, Burning Man in uh, the US of A, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the Nevada desert. Um, we are going to be partying, and um, I will be part of a crew called... Uh, the Death Guild Thunderdome, where we have people fighting in a giant scaffold structure while attached to bungee cords and holding foam batons. That is as weird as it sounds. Oh, really? Um, mm. I remember your pictures from last time, so yeah. Uh... Yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun. And um, and it's the first time there was no Burning Man in 2020, known in 2021, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, so this is the first year back in three in. Two years, three years, two years, three years. Damn, my mess. How many? Um, <laughs> How many have you been to? That was a struggle. Um, I've been to, this will be my fourth. So wow. it's 2015, 2017, 2019. Um, so, wow. yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing my Death Kill crew going um, going to get dusty for 10 days. And then um, I am going to be uh, joined by my lovely wife in San Francisco off the back of that. And we're going to uh, get a convertible Mustang and drive down the west coast of the US of A. Um, we're going to go through Santa Monica, um, down through Palm Springs, around Joshua Tree, um, and then wind up in LA at the end. So, yeah, we're just going to be staying in some hotels and eating some good food. Um, and, yeah, we'll be enjoying our honeymoon. So, Jesus. And Dan and I will be doing two episodes on how much we hate TJ. <laughs> well, Good hang on. I expect no less. TJ, didn't you say you were going into rehab and you weren't to tell <laughs> what well, we weren't to tell Iman? Yes, that one. Right. And you this, tried this to get me to go in bed. I said, no. <laughs> no comment. No. no. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway uh no um yeah should we, i'm really looking forward to it obviously 
first pick of the day in a long time. Um, Burning Man's going to be crazy because, you know, I say after two, three years off, uh, people are going to be very much up for it. Um, so what, and- what happens at Burning Man? You, you've got the fighting cage thing on bungees, but then like what? What are what? I mean, it's what's in and it's around just it? A giant kind of festival. Like, well, it's not even really a festival. It's because it's out in the middle of the Nevada desert, so it's a bit of a battle for not battle for survival. But like, you have to take your own food and and water out there. You can't. There's like no um, shops to buy anything or um, stuff like that. So you need to make sure you take enough supplies out there for yourself. And then, you know, people um, do things for the community. So there'll be art cars driving around. There'll be um, bits of art dotted around the desert. There'll be performances like my camp. We do the Thunderdome performance thing. Um, There'll be, I think there's like a roller disco there. There's um, DJs playing, bands playing, um, all sorts of stuff. It's it's if you can't find something to like in Burning Man, then you're probably doing it wrong <laughs> because there's literally something there for everybody. If you can be asked to, if you can be asked to put up with the whole surviving the desert deal. So, I mean, I thought we wouldn't see you for like a month. It's looking like you may not come back at all. Well, <laughs> if this doesn't work out, then <laughs> luckily I've been a few times. So I kind of know my way around a little bit. So. Right. And also, I've got my wife to drag me back, so okay. which is helpful. Okay, well, can I, I hope make you survive. <laughs> What's that? Can you uh, film some UFOs while you're there? Because that's what oh, what Americans no. do. On the I mean, I give it a go. There, mm. there probably, there probably will almost definitely be some sort of UFO reference while I'm out there. So, some sort of spaceship flying saucer deal. So, I'll make sure I get a picture of it and send it over to you, Dan, as proof that you are mental nice. <laughs> i don't think anyone needs any Dan's accusations have been true all along yes <laughs> um awesome man do you'll you obviously be sorely missed but I, i'm looking forward to the episodes where you get to we should have a whole burning man episode where you get to recount your incredible like month away it's gonna it sounds like a like a dream month so you, you say that like i'm gonna remember what happened those 10 days. <laughs> Yeah, the rehab yeah, comes out shivering. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It was him or me. I had to kill him. I was like, oh, Jesus, this, this, this took a turn. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, so let's let's dive into uh, our episode today. So I, I'll apologise in advance. It's kind of uh, somewhat of a compulsory lengthy lead into it uh, to explain why we're why we're here today so uh, i'll do my best to be as succinct and um, brief as possible but today we are discussing women in action films uh this is something of an unofficial follow-up to i believe episodes 59 and 60 where we had another of our catching up with the classics double episodes which are my favorite things to do on this podcast and if you've never heard them before uh what happens is um, it's a two-episode format and in the first episode each of us on the podcast will present three films um that three classic films as such well inverted commas on classic uh three films that we've never seen to the group and then the other members on the podcast decide on which film that person has to see in time for the next recording 
So uh, in episode fifty nine, we made our pitch. In episode sixty, we uh, we you know we recounted the films that we watched. So the three films that we ended up watching were Cobra, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and The Wraith. All incredibly coincidentally landing on nineteen eighty six on release dates. Eighties uh, action films, I should say, were was the theme uh for the episode so yes all the films we ended up watching all released in 1986 super super coincidence um we again we 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 had a lengthy and i will say <laughs> personally speaking those are two of the best episodes i think we ever did i had a huge amount of fun recording them so uh while it is certainly not compulsory to listen to those episodes before this episode uh, i think if you're listening pleasure i would encourage anyone uh, who hasn't heard them to go back because they were a lot of fun to record um but we we kind of looked at those films and uh being that they fall into the 80s action genre we are looking uh primarily at uh male led uh roles and uh somewhat diminished roles for women in those films and we discuss each of say the the female characters in those films however we didn't really look at it as a as a as a conversation topic as a broad uh kind of uh topic about women in in action films and that was one of the most I speaking again for myself when we kind of when I looked back at that episode and listened to it afterwards you know you, you kind of you, you it's it's a it's a glaring um uh kind of observation about how women fit into those films uh so as a one line non spoiler summation of those films uh we have cobra uh bridget nielsen i believe one of just barely two women uh in that film she is the proverbial damsel in distress she's there for stallone to save and subsequently fall in love with uh big trouble in little china uh again i think two prominent female characters in the film but it is a film about saving a a proverbial damsel in distress and then we have the wraith which had uh sherilyn fenn again i believe the one certainly one prominent female character in that film who is depicted as fairly mindless and goes where she's told does what she's told and uh just waits for the hero to basically come and save her so that's a fairly just a one-line summation of of sort of women in those films and it was a long-lasting kind of impression for me about you know is 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 that you know is is was that the 80s was that was that the role of women in those films so again apologies for the lengthy build up but that's kind of what we're discussing now and we're going to use those films as a starting point so i'll go to teach first obviously you watch those films as well do you're an 80s movie enthusiast 80s action movie enthusiast but in for those three films i mean kind of are the roles of women in those movies sort of indicative uh of women in 80s action or action movies or did we just stumble upon three complete anomalies um i think from my experience i think you know you hit the nail on the head i think it is pretty indicative of how women uh were portrayed in um kind of in the 80s action movie genre i think there you know, even in Big Trouble Little China, um, Kim Cattrall's character, she was, she had some good lines. She was quite wisecracking, but, and she, you know, there were, there were a couple of moments where she kind of looked out for herself and kind of saved herself. But by and large, you're right. The, the premise of the movie was the hero looking to save the girl from the bad guy. And I think that was, you know, the prevalent storytelling mechanic back then um even though you know ironically prior to that even going as far back as the 70s you did have 
you know, a couple of quite strong female leads in big action, in big um, sci-fi and action movies. You know, you look at um, Carrie Fisher in Star Wars or Sigourney Weaver in, in the Alien franchise. Um, or an alien movie, shall I say? That was uh, Alien was uh, seventy nine, I believe. Seventy nine, seventy nine. So you know, you had a, you know, there was precedent there for, but you know, you think about it in the grand scheme of things, that's only two at a time where action movies were really prevalent and and were making big money, and they were coming out, you know, a dime a dozen at the time. Canon Canon films were just churning out a new one every other week. Um, but by and large, you know, the things that they felt sold, um, or made money were, you know, your big action leads. So your Sylvester Stallone, your Arnold Schwarzenegger's, your Charles Bronson's, your, you know, Van Damme's or whoever. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, a, uh, an indictment of, of the times. And, you know, I don't, I mean, obviously attitudes of, begun to change, you know, as we go through the decades and, you know, stronger female leads are becoming, becoming more and more prevalent. But, um, I think that kind of goes in line with, you know, a lot of social change and, and stuff like that as we, as, uh, as we go through, you know, the, the nineties and the two thousands and the, and the tens as well. Uh, yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Do you, do you think though that, um, question for you as well for Dan if you want to jump in for that for this one but like uh do you think it's sort of a case of just we're talking about films that were just always designed to be for a male audience so the idea of a female action lead or strong female characters at this point just you know well why do it we're, we're targeting dudes they're going to want to see dudes or do you think it's yeah. reflective of well an error in say cinema where they just, there wasn't a belief that a female could carry a lead on, you know, and on a lengthy stakes like that. Yeah. I think, I think it was definitely to do with the demographic um, that they were, they were, they were targeting, you know, at the end of the day, again, male attitudes, well, and sadly male attitudes now as well, but male attitudes back, back then were uh, very much about, you know, I, I want to see a dude, being a dude and, and kicking ass and shooting guns and blowing stuff up and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, as much as I love those film, I love those movies through ironic eyes, not because I want to be the action hero, but because there's a, there's a comedy in just how, um, how overtly sexist and wrong a lot of those movies are. It's, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure, but um, I think the, the the key is you know who are they trying to speak to you know who are they trying to resonate with and you know back in the 80s i'm not sure um men would have been as i mean that said you know the alien movie did did really well mm. star wars i probably wouldn't use as so much of a example because obviously you had you know han solo character and luke Scarlet. so you had you still had male leads there um but yeah, I, I just kind of think, you know, they were trying to go for that young male audience mm. and they want to see things on the screen that they want to, I don't know, in a fancy world, they want to aspire to those those uh, mm. those characters. And if it's a woman, it's not really going to work so much. 
And a lot of the times as well, women were put in those movies as eye candy. Um, so it's you know, sad to say, but that's the, that's the way it was back then. Dan, as a guy who's modelled himself after Stallone's character in Cobra, in, <laughs> in, in Cobra, uh, you I know, the, he wore the, those leather gloves all the time. With, <laughs> yeah, the leather gloves, the the, the mirrored sun shades, the toothpick, and the uh, the belt buckle. Where do you feel? <laughs> and the gun, don't forget the, the gun. gun. Yeah, I was, I, I, well, I stopped short of saying that like, Dan carries a gun. <laughs> carries, yeah, obviously, yeah, unpacking but all the a, time. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what 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 are your thoughts on kind of the, the perception of women uh, in the eighties? Uh, you know, in, in, within these films, we should make clear. Uh, yeah. What is your perception of women in these these films at this time? Sure. You call me? Did you call me Cabretti? Because isn't that his name, John Cabretti? Well, that was I. I, I was should I meant to say yeah, Cobra? Cabretti. But his his the, yeah his actual name was Cobretti in the movie, wasn't Cabretti. it? Yeah. What a what a so, name. Cabretti. Um, you had a control. You had a control, Cabretti. Yeah. So I think. I think everything that TJ said is is true. Definitely of Cobra, um, and definitely for the Wraith, because I think there was a lot of action movies that were kind of male focused for a male dominated audience, because it's that kind of um, fantasy, you know, hero worship. You either want to, you either worship the male lead or you want to be the male lead. So that was definitely something that was the focus of, well, those films and the eighties, I think big trouble in little China. I want to give, um, I want to give that a little bit more credit because it, a lot of, a lot of the, the structure and the roles in that film were quite, um, ironic. They were kind of almost a, a parody of the action movie form format of that time, which I might be read, reading a little bit too much into that, but it, it does it does feel like um, the kind of the, the sassy journalist was a very common um, character in a lot of eighties films, and I think um, Carpenter kind of riffed hmm. on that and make, making her the one sort of. Um, you know the character to the, to the femme fatale to be rescued and and looked after when when clearly she she didn't really need to be rescued and looked after she was far more competent than the actual male lead was so I think there's a little bit of leeway there but I think with Star Wars Carrie Fisher at the start was someone to be looked after you know to be rescued and I think throughout the the Star Wars films, she became a much more, you know, prominent um, role. And even, you know, if you look at Obi-Wan and her backstory that they kind of built out with a, a number of different um, things in the franchise, you know, they, they painted her to be this freedom fighter. But even if you begin with um, Aliens, I don't think, you know, Ripley was always quite, an independent and strong woman, but if you look at as soon as you go to aliens and aliens, I don't, I, I don't really, know actually. I I probably argue against that just a tiny bit because in terms of Carrie Fisher, like I'd argue against that a tiny bit because I kind of feel like even from the get go, when you see her, she proves herself to be resourceful. She shoots a couple of stormtroopers. Yes, she gets captured, but even even when she gets captured, she's got you 
can sense that she's not like uh, a damsel in distress, as it were. She's like really defiant against Vader, who's like one of the most terrifying people in the universe, in the galaxy, sorry, in the galaxy. And um, and she's, she, you know, she carries herself with the air of, you know, defiance and confidence that, you know, and this is uh, mid-70s. And to see okay. Uh, okay. a female I- character... I agree with you. I agree with you. But what I'm I'm, I'm not saying that she wasn't yeah. she wasn't um, a strong female role, but she's not the lead. And yeah, you know the the point yes. of the yeah, first yeah. no yeah, yeah very true. The, the point of the first film essentially, even though you could argue she probably could have got herself out of that situation, but we didn't know that at the time. And if you look at the iconography, you look at the posters, mm. and you know the the whole swinging across the the chasm on the rope it it is done you know visually in that style but i I agree you know she she is she's by no means um a caricature of of that kind of action feminine role but i think she became you know that that became even more apparent as the films went on and the same with ripley i think ripley at the start definitely you know, you, you could tell she was kind of an incredible lead female role character, but but she, but she became stronger and more badass as the films um, progressed. You know, uh, you, you think of Aliens and you think of Alien 3 and you think of um, Alien Resurrection. In, in Alien Resurrection, she's, you know, she's positively... I don't know what, what you'd say. She, I, she's She's more than badass. She's absolutely carrying everyone in that uh in the team fighting you know the the aliens etc and and i think it's very similar in terminator because sarah connor at the start you think that the first film is all about saving sarah connor so she can give birth to john connor and if you think about that and it's a very obviously it's a very it, it was a vehicle for schwarzenegger and schwarzenegger was the bad guy but both the Alien films and the Terminator films, you can see how I think attitudes and so—can't uh, speak—social culture uh, became kind of modified, you know, evolved, redefined over the years that those trilogies—well, no, not trilogies. There's more. There's more than four films in some of those five, six films, in fact. But in those franchises, as they progressed the women in Terminator and the women in Alien and the women in Star Wars, as in the, the lead women, became bigger, w- more well-defined characters who were clearly a lot more badass than than where they started out. Because I said, you know, Terminator 2 was all about saving John Connor. And it was, you know, but if, if you go to the last film, which I can't even remember the name of it, but they... They brought her back again, um, Sarah Connor, that is. And she's, you know, in, she's an incredible, you know, gnarled veteran badass who who knows everything and is completely the, the sole focus of the film. In fact, she probably moves into the centre of the frame and Arnold and even John Connor aren't really aren't the focus of those films at all. It, it, you know, that might as well have been called, you know, 
something else. It's not about Terminators. It's about Sarah Connor. So I think um, whether or not it, it, it was definitely a change in social attitudes at the time that people started to look differently on female roles in movies, um, it's hard to disagree that there wasn't some form of evolution of those characters in those films. And obviously all those films started, I think, in the 80s. And, you know, they, they've gone through to the the 90s and now the noughties. And I think that those characters have have changed massively. But, but coming back to the whole um, 80s thing, um, it's interesting to note that if you if you look at B movies, there was um, I've got to get the name right. Cynthia Rothrock was as much of a of a prominent lead in American kung fu films. You know, as much as you know, she probably did as many as as the likes of Jackie Chan and Van Damme and God knows who else. So she was a prominent. Uh, you know, character. I think the only thing that is the, the, the you know the downside of that is that I don't think you know some of the China O'Brien films that she was in gained some kind of um, popularity, but none of the none of those films she starred in. I think maybe Martial Law was quite famous, but but none of those films were anywhere near as famous as you know maybe you know what Jackie Chan became when he, he broke Hollywood and, you know, what even Jean-Claude Van Damme, if you think about it, and Steven Seagal, they at some point broke Hollywood, where I feel like they never took her as seriously as they should have. So, yeah, kind of contradicting myself now. Uh, your your points, Dan, about um, uh, oh, uh, Linda Hamilton and in Terminator kind of mirroring uh, uh, Ripley, Sigourney Weaver's kind of character, you, it's, I thought, br- yeah, brilliantly made. And it's it's quite interesting that both of them do start not as meek. Well, I suppose Sarah Connor's by no means taking control. She, you know, she's being led throughout the film until it's the end where she kind of, you know, takes that, that, that sort of, definitive stand and then that transition into terminator 2 into where she is there that's that's great kind of storytelling you know she has focus she's determination she's got something to protect you know so and you're right ripley's evolution across those films as well those are that's yeah the great points great and sort of how yeah great point in terms to make um the point about if i may say about like uh the princess leia kind of role you're you know again you're absolutely right, Tish. That that's it's like the first kind of um, uh, a princess that wasn't, you know, that that tr- attempted in some capacity to take control of mm. of her circumstances, as opposed to just meekly waiting uh, to kind of to be rescued. But you're right, also Dan, in terms of the notion that she's not the lead. But I feel like those aren't necessarily the two categories of you're either the damsel in distress or the lead. Unfortunately, I think women in these films had to have these almost baby steps where you kind of, you know, throughout, say, the 80s, where you get definitively sort of strong supporting characters uh, you know, it, like there, there was a couple I, I initially came to mind about, like a uh, like Total Recall. Uh, I thought Sharon Stone and Rachel is it Tickertin? 
kind of those were two yeah. characters that I've you know those are awesome characters, awesome strong kind of um, a, a independent and fierce characters. By no means the lead, but they they you know they're they're not just along for the ride, so to speak. You know, I, someone else I thought of who I thought was super cool. Uh, I looked up her name as well, Sarah Douglas, uh, Superman Two. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. one of Zod's uh, kind of two yeah, minions yeah. like she's badass she is totally badass in that film you know yeah. uh, um, Mia Sara in Legend uh, as well these are you know uh, kind of these are these are great, these great female characters all around from 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 heroes in their own way to uh, to villains in their own way so there were there were lots of supporting roles that kind of as 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 films progresses where people kind of had to accept that as an individual thing uh, almost in of itself unfortunately those baby steps had to exist though right yeah wow. no for sure I think again like anything and the same with you know seeing you know black actors in uh lead roles and stuff like that as i think like again like anything you know entertainment um is something that especially visual entertainment because musical music and visual entertainment like movies or tv i think kind of go along on a separate path in terms of following social change as it as it were um and i think there's there's definitely you know as you know um as things move forward and at social attitudes change towards you know women and you know people uh disabled people and um people from different ethnicities you know as social as social um cultural thoughts started to change i think he started to see more and more um of you know women in stronger lead roles uh, people of color in, in stronger lead roles and you started to see a bit more with um you know disabled people and um you know uh deaf people and you know all sorts of stuff um was by no means is it is it there yet but it's you are i think starting to see see it more and more often now mm. yeah yeah i mean uh, sort of languishing on the 80s just for another moment if we may uh, i mean there you know obviously we we looked at three films where they you know we didn't have fantastic female kind of representation in those films but i mean the 80s as a decade did have some some notable uh, kind of um uh, performances we talked about obviously linda hamilton uh, in uh, terminator in 1984 already uh, but I, you know uh, there is also I shouldn't be, I'm not reluctant to, to cite this. I know this was a film that wasn't well received, but we have a prominent female character uh, in a, in a strong, powerful role. And it's uh, Bridget Nielsen in Red Sonja, uh, which is incredible because the Red Sonja released in 1985. And then the, a year later, she is in Cobra, which is yeah. like the transition of those roles is horrific <laughs> in terms of red sonia is with this powerful you know dominating warrior and then you like the year later and i don't know when each film was filmed as such but a year later she's in cobra which is just her waiting to kind of be saved and uh it's kind of a a, a shocking kind of transition but it's you know a great role to cite i know the film wasn't well received but the fact it exists is what we're kind of discussing but uh jennifer conlin labyrinth is another one but yeah go ahead Tease. i was just gonna say i think that's the key though right if if red sonia had taken off and had been as big as 
a Conan or, you know, whatever, mm. and made a bucket load of money. I, you know, and I mean, the fact of the matter is, Red Sonja is a bit of a cult classic. Right. You know, people aren't, people aren't um, talking about Red Sonja in the most flattering of ways. Um, you didn't have it didn't, sequels? No. It there was going to... There was talk of a remake because it's. I think it's. A, is it based on a book or a, or a comic? I know. There, I know there's a comic, or there was a comic at some point, but I don't know if it was based off that or if the comic came out off the back of the movie. But um, well, there, are other, there are other material. It's the Barbarian, there. isn't it? It's part of that um, universe. Um, I don't think so. I thought she was a. I haven't seen the Conan films. I thought she was a character in. The Conan sorry, films and got a spin sorry, off. Sorry, you haven't you haven't seen what? No, I know. Yeah, yeah. This was we were, we we discussed this. <laughs> we discussed this. <laughs> I haven't. Yeah, seen she, it. she's in. She's in. You know, you know Imran, Sometimes you really disappoint me. <laughs> Only sometimes. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, Dan. Go on. Yeah, no, no. She's in Conan. I'm pretty sure. She. Uh, what? Oh, the character Red Sonja is in the Conan universe. Yeah. Well, she's in yeah. the. Th- Films, I she's thought. not in the she's not in the movies. Is she not in the movies? Okay, no, I'll stop no, talking. No. But uh, I mean, she might be in the universe comic wise, or as part. Of, I mean, I don't know what world it's set in, but um, but yeah, possibly. I, I don't know. I don't know Conan enough, so I'm pretty sure she's I, in. I would Conan. assume. I would have assumed in the movie. You mean? Yeah. No, no, no she's not in any of the movies. Hundred <laughs> percent. Because it's everyone reaching for the phone at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm now googling. Google. Google. (laughs) I mean, I'm relatively confident. I mean, I wouldn't say with 100% certainty, but I'm relatively confident. I'm happy to be proved wrong. He says, as Dan frantically. (laughs) I am. I'm trying. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think. I think with Red Sonja, again, you know, if that movie had done gangbusters um, and Nielsen had been, I mean, she was a name back then. Um, oh, hang on, hang on. Right. Sorry. A... Sorry to interrupt, TJ. You are right. But basically, so so in Red Sonja, Arnold Schwarzenegger is in it, but he is called a character called Kalidor. Which is essentially meant to be Conan the Barbarian because he's he's on the poster for God's sake, yes. look looking exactly like Conan the Barbarian, but his character is actually called Kalidor. He's got not Conan on the, the poster as well. So maybe I've just seen the posters yeah. and, and the film and just made an assumption that because Schwarzenegger is in Red Sonja, yeah. that he I, was. I mean, uh, so, uh, yeah, I actually watched Red Sonja. Uh, I think about. Four weeks ago, as a part of <clears throat> movie night that me and my mate have, um, and yeah, he—I mean, Arnold is basically playing a Conan, a Conan like. Actually, no, the character's supposed to be a priest or something like that. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's probably where your confusion lies because Arnold was in it playing another sword wielding muscle bound, <laughs> yeah, as as he did in the eighties quite a lot. <laughs> Not to be typecast or anything. <laughs> But that's destroyed my yeah. view of the 80s because for all this time I've thought Red Sonja and Conan the Barbarian, same universe. I thought he was 
I thought I can't remember which came first, but I thought they were both part of the same, yeah, uh, universe and film universe. But yeah, not quite. So did I? Yeah. I th- I th- I think he. I think it was Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer, and then Red Sonia. Actually, I have to look that up. But um, yeah, they all came out similar sort of time, and I think there was a whole thing around that time of the 80s where there were quite a few fantasy uh sword and sorcery type movies there were some really shitty like b movies um that were you know when conan did well i think it kind of people got an idea that hey let's just get someone with muscles and stick a sword in his hand and it'll make us some money um <laughs> yeah there were quite a few few of those knockoff movies so there was a big real big fantasy movie movement back then as well but anyway, going off tangent a bit, but yeah, um, to, to my earlier point, again, you know, I think if Nelson had, done, had made a lot of money back then, I mean, again, it was the mid 80s. So, you know, studio execs, I don't think had much interest in making, you know, putting a putting money behind having a strong female lead to try and sell an action movie. Um, and that's why a movie like Cobra got made and why Nielsen got put in that role after being a lead in a movie. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's funny that that gets, well, it's not funny. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's unfortunate that, that, like you say, Tish, if that film had done better, it would have opened the door for more, but that for every, you know, mega successful, say eighties action hero that we can cite or action movie where that did amazingly well, which is male led, we could come up with 10 that didn't. 10 that absolutely failed and obviously when when you're trying to usher in a new uh type of hero which is with with female leads you don't have that you can't show that win loss record it's like you got one shot it didn't work you, you're benched do you know you yeah. know and it's it's kind of unfortunate that that's kind of the the process that that kind of has to has to go through but um but yeah i mean sort of moving a little bit on from the eighties, there was an article I sent you guys, um, a, a time article, which I thought was super cool. It was the evolution of the female action hero. I'll try and put a link to it in the description for this episode, but they do a sort of very quick kind of summation of kind of women in action films and, you know, the kind of the roles that they, they, they kind of, uh, exuded at that time. And they've just as a super quick run through, they got like the seventies where they refer to the icons and they're referring to, uh, Carrie Fisher as princess Leia, Ripley and Pam Greer. You've got the eighties and the notion of the badass, which, um, they're, they're looking at Linda Hamilton, uh, in, uh, Terminator. I think red Sonya, we could absolutely put into that category as well. Um, the nineties, uh, I thought nicely done the muses where it's, um, their examples here are uh, uh, Natalie Portman in uh, Leon. We've got uh, G.I. Jane. We've got um, Fifth Element. Uh, the Noughties, they're entitling them as the Avengers. And you've kind of got the, this notion. Take of my wife's words out of your mouth. <laughs> didn't say Jada. <laughs> didn't say. Oh, it's a G.I. Jane. Shoot, you're yeah. right. You're right. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for self censoring as well. Um, Had to do it. <laughs> ah, the slap was unnecessary. But uh, the noughties, we have the Avengers, where we've got uh, Kill Bill uh, in Uma Thurman, um, uh, several Angela Jolie. 
Angelina, big pardon, Jolie Rolls. We've got Electra um in the 2010s the team players and also catwoman for some weird reason and catwoman i tried to gloss over that one but there was some great movies there and it was like catwoman yeah. wait a minute but Did i, you watch I, the same catwoman I will come back to catwoman in, in a moment um yeah, please don't yeah. <laughs> but there's there's some really it's a mega interesting statistic about catwoman but i again i will get there um but you know that the, that kind of period of um the kind of women, kind of the roles that they had and how you look at them in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and yeah, how they kind of exuded that kind of uh, era, which I thought was a kind of cool summation. So my question to each of you, I'll go to Dan first, if I may. Uh, What was uh, the first, you're absolutely welcome to cite the first, but is there a a role uh, where you saw kind of a woman in a female-led action film where you absolutely were just like that, was awesome and you were completely kind of acknowledged them in that that kind of kick-ass tour de force kind of role and performance was there a character or an actress that you would cite as kind of one of the first where you kind of thought well this is this is pretty awesome i think i mean i've already kind of covered ripley i think ripley was Mm. probably one of my favorite ever female leads um i also loved um I was a big fan in the kind of 80s, 90s and noughties of Jodie Foster. I think she's an incredible actress. I think Silence of the Lambs is uh, a great film. I think Charlie's Theron has done some... um, Unfortunately, I I wish I'd done my research better, but I can't remember. There's, there's, There's at least three films that she that she did there was one i guess i don't know if they all fall under action movie because there was there was a monster where she had incredible facial prosthetics but there was one there was one actually quite recent quite recently she did um that was incredible but yeah i would say maybe the apart from apart from ripley um i think trinity in the matrix atomic blonde uh, um, no, but that is a good call. Um, she's actually done quite a lot of, um, really nasty, violent, um, films. I'm trying to think. She did, uh, she was in, uh, Dark Places wasn't, Dark Places wasn't, uh, well, I think it was a horror movie, not an action movie. I'm trying to think. She was in Hancock. Uh, recovered monster she was in another action film called the old guard um but no the one i'm trying to find that i swear it was her that was so dark um and gritty but yeah um oh well she was furiosa in mad max fury road and apparently well, I don't know. I think the the time frame for when they were going to do a Furiosa film seems to have um, died. But but yeah, she's done a lot of very good mm. um, leading lady action films um, in the in the noughties. Um, Teach is uh, were there ever any mega early kind of standout kind of roles or performances or actresses that? that you you know that you that always stuck with you resonated with you as accepting women in that role Hmm. i think uh, so as someone who's reading comics from quite a 
early age. I think I was probably, you know, there were strong few, and especially as someone who uh, read a lot of X-Men, or almost predominantly X-Men, so there were a lot of strong female characters, lead characters in that, you know, Storm, Rogue, you know, all like really powerful, strong leaders of the team as well, not just strong leads. They actually led the team in uh, and led a lot of the, lot of the storylines. So um, I was kind of used to seeing strong female leads in my storytelling anyway. Um, but I think some reason like in movies nothing really re- nothing really kind of kicked in I, I mean obviously Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2 is is a bit of an obvious one but I, I think for me one of the first ones and I'm glad actually that article that you sent us the link to because um they made reference to one of my all-time favorite films La Femme Nikita um and uh and Paris Lord I think her name is French actress um her performance in that was like was one of the first like badass strong female action hero leads i i that's always kind of stuck in my mind as kind of one of the first ones that really kind of resonated with me and um uh, yeah absolutely adore that movie recommend anyone to dig it out and and find it don't bother with the jane fonda version is crap um but yeah, so I think that's probably one that kind of jumped out at me. And, and I, again, I think kind of going through the 90s, you know, the um, the original uh, pre-Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, um, I always had a soft spot for that one. Uh, I, I was thought it was a kind of a cool premise. I mean, up until that point, you'd only had like Vincent Price um, and old, old dudes stabbing vampires. So... Uh, I thought the whole premise of that was was a lot of fun, um, and another one that's referenced in the article, Fifth Element, another movie mm. I absolutely adore. Funny enough, another Luc Besson movie. Um, who he seemed to be because um, he also had the movie with uh, Natalie Portman's first movie, wasn't it? Um, Leon, Leon, uh, Leon. Yes, mm. yeah, back then as well. So you know, he seemed to have a penchant for having you know, strong female-led mm. um, action movies. Did that, he did, does action extremely well. Um, and, yeah, just um, I think those 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 ones, uh, like I say, La Femme Kia, great movie, great performance. Um, and, yeah, just a, a really, a really cool, um, cool, con- like, cool setting kind of, film noir in some aspects but um yeah that's that's one that kind of really sticks out for me that was it's funny because i haven't i've always sort of obviously held um like ellen ripley and um uh, sarah connor you know in 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 high esteem but i don't think necessarily since you know it's not since we've just had this conversation that you kind of realize the impact of those two roles because uh, mm-hmm. i think in, in meant not to belittle anything else any of us said but i think those are in many ways the first two roles that we would have each cited um certainly the first two that propped that came to my mind as well so uh it's incredible how how genuinely iconic those kind of those two roles have, have genuinely become what i what i would say actually with um uh Alien is that I didn't actually see Alien until like well after it came out. 
Um, in fact, I don't think I saw Alien until after Aliens. Mm. No, I can't remember what year Aliens was. Aliens was 86. Yeah. Aliens was 86. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe I saw Aliens a lot later then. Because I don't, I feel like I didn't see Aliens until I was into, like, well into my teens, which wouldn't have been 86. I was 10 and 86. So, yeah. So I, I must have seen both of those quite late. Because I don't, I don't remember the, Ripley character until I was like well into my teens, mm. but I do remember wow. seeing the film Nikita, um, like really only I think that came out like 1991, 1990. Mm. So I think for me, a lot of and Terminator 2, I did see, I did see kind of when it came out, but um, yeah, Aliens movie. So the Ripley character wasn't really big on my radar. Okay. until a lot later well that totally craps on my point so thanks for that but but you i think you i think you're right i think if you ask you know 10 people nine of them would say ripley mm. and lindell hamilton in in terminator yeah. 2 and and like and i think to your point you said as, as you and dan said earlier you know those characters evolved you know when they in their first movies they they were painted as you know the the weak um the weaker um character but as the movies moved on um you know they well as within those first movies you see them get stronger and stronger and yeah to the point where they take a stand and then they and they beat the beat the bad guy yeah and then in the next film they get more stronger still more powerful more badass so on and so forth so yeah it's an interesting transition, isn't it? Because you, you you never, I can't think of a time where you've got that with strong male characters. We meet them; they're instantly strong. They're they're already that 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 tough guy again. Back to Cobra. the brilliant Cobra. <laughs> that was exactly what I was thinking of. You know, he's they're already that Rambo. He's already that person. Uh, Stallone in Predator. He's all Stallone. Big pardon. Schwarzenegger in Predator. He's already that person. You know, it, that's never a transition that. that the guy. I don't need that through. story arc. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. Um, for myself, I just want to mega. I have to shout. I think uh, I don't know if you guys, have, if anyone's not seen it, but Gina Davis. In uh, Long Kiss oh, Goodnight, yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight, yeah, what yeah, a yeah, masterful yeah. performance! Incredible sure. film, adore that film. Uh, and yeah. that was the first time I remember thinking like that was fun. You know, she absolutely owned it. And shout out to the brilliant Sam Jackson, who cites that as his favorite movie that he's been in. Uh, so that's wow. yeah, that film doesn't get talked about enough. But uh, yeah, and when I've made my list about to answer that question again, Dan's mentioned Cynthia Rothrock already. But that yeah, she was on my list. Um, it's a great as shout, well. actually. I- Forgot about Cynthia Rothrock, I, and as a someone who likes martial arts movies, I'm a bit ashamed that I, I forgot about her. But yeah, she was she was in some great movies. And again, I think it goes back to the point I made about Red Sonia is that I think while she did a lot of movies, probably not on in terms of number, same numbers as a Jackie Chan, but she did a lot, a lot of martial arts movies. Um, I and I think the difference, obviously, between her and Jackie Chan, one Jackie Chan's a dude, so you know whatever, but. Um, Again, I think it was one of those things where, you know, American studios, because that's, I think that's how Jackie, or that is how Jackie Chan kind of blew up over in the West, is that, you know, studio execs saw what he was doing in all the, you know, in the police stories and all the movies that he was doing over in, over in China and, and you know, said, we can, we can do something with this guy, he can, we can make some money from yeah. him. But whereas, you know, they probably looked at Cynthia Rothrock and she had a couple of low key American studio movies but i don't think any of the big studios had faith 
that a woman could carry a martial arts yeah. for whatever stupid reason. But I know, like, uh, so Dan, I know you you had mentioned about us doing like a. a so I don't want to step on, on 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 that topic too much. So hopefully, in time, we'll do our eighties martial arts movies. But wouldn't you say like? in that period everyone had a hook like if you were gonna like bruce lee you have obviously achieved iconic fame iconic status uh jackie chan was was the comedy you couldn't believe the things that he was doing in a fight scene van damme geez those splits those you know those incredible high kicks you know everyone had a hook cynthia rothrock maybe just didn't have enough of a hook right um i mean i get what you're saying I'm trying to think of, I don't know, like some quotable lines or what she was kind of known for. I'm trying to cast my mind back to um, China O'Brien, I think, was mm. the probably the most famous film she did. But, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe she just, hmm. I don't know, just, just didn't find something, yeah, memorable enough in those films that, that stuck. Um, there's a Hollywood trope that I have noticed and the best this is just one example of of this is The Walking Dead. Now I know Walking Dead is not an action film but if you think about it there's a lot of films that follow the same um, character arc, female character arc as Walking Dead as in you get a mother of of kids or you get you know a family woman who is the matriarch who is downtrodden, who immediately, when, when pushed into an apocalyptic or a perilous situation where she has to survive, suddenly becomes a completely different character. Um, you know, Walking Dead's a good example because, um, you know, you think about Rick Grimes' wife and you also think about Michonne. And you think about um, oh god, there's 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 so many female characters in that show who become completely badass and a complete focal point um, all all throughout that mm. show. But where they start off, you know, they're they're complete, you know, young, um, dominated family types who all don't have that kind of voice <laughs> going back to your point about um cynthia rothrick and what what her hook uh would have been and it sounds a bit scuzzy to say it so i probably shouldn't but i would i would argue her hook actually even if it was as as a way to get get the ball rolling should have been badass female martial artist, right? Because it's not like there were many of her around at the time. Yeah, I suppose so. And she was and she was, you know, she was American as well. So she could well have you know, she would have it's not like, you know, again, a lot of the times American studios shy away from non English speaking actors because they assume people are too dumb to read subtitles or <laughs> understand what someone said. But anyway uh, Vince McMahon, I'm looking at you. But anyway, um, <laughs> the you know she she she's American. Um, you know she's an absolute badass martial artist. I mean, to me that that's the hook right there. You, you know she's yeah. 
she was unique at a time when just as martial arts movies were starting to really break through in the US as well. Um, and, you know, you had your Jackie Chan, you know, Bruce Lee had obviously, you know, been and, been and gone. But, um, you know, I think that there was a missed opportunity there for her to be a real kind of breakthrough, um, unique uh, uh, artist, uh, a, a martial arts actor, mm. and and really headlined some some big movies. If again, if a studio had taken a punt, um, but sadly, um, attitudes back then weren't. You know, she in, in some ways maybe she was ahead of her time. Um, mm. You know, she'd have turned up um, at you know maybe ten years later on. Um, you know maybe she would have been given more of an opportunity to blow up, but yeah. 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 No, great point. And, and also, um, I think she was, she was, you know, a legit martial arts um, champion as well. So, um, maybe, you know, maybe that held her back in terms of, you know, she wasn't an actress who performed. She was a martial artist first and then, you know, the the she just she was in movies, so you know maybe that was a something that held held her back. Mm. Yeah, no, great points. Um, uh, the the final kind of stage I, I was hoping to uh, discuss was kind of uh, women in superheroes, which is probably in, worthy of an entire uh, podcast and of itself. But I, there, there, I did want to sort of go through uh, a, a couple of really shocking statistics. I can't. I'm convinced they're incorrect, but we'll get there in a moment. But my question to you both, um, do you know who and, well, when-ish, I won't hold you to the exact date, but can you name the first female-led superhero movie or or film that sort of a hero that stemmed from uh, comic book origins? First female-led one? Mm. Um... Uh, I mean, I don't really want to say Catwoman. Electra? Are you? Are you mm, uh, it's not Electra. That yeah, a few years oh, prior um, to that one. Daniel, Supergirl. any guesses? Now TJ's got oh, it. Yeah, Supergirl. Well, Supergirl was the second, and Ooh, was second by like three months. Okay. As well, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle, uh, released in 1984, was the first one. Supergirl came out like three months later, uh, which is amazing. Sheena, Queen of the Jungle. Yeah, from comic, from a, I forgot, I didn't write down the, uh, it's obviously not a Marvel or DC uh, property. Bullshit on that one. That sounds like absolute horseshit. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't well received, as is my understanding. However, she was also the first female led comic book character as well, which is another amazing. She's, it's basically Tarzan, uh, an orphan raised in the jungle who becomes. Uh, queen of said jungle <laughs> as, as in the title uh, oh. but yeah so that was the first um, cool. I think you made all that oh no I would have gone with a different name than China <laughs> if I, I don't think you would have that's a good point actually. I don't think you're creative enough no, I think you can't give it's me a, <laughs> Okay, well, in this case, it's a legit thing. There was a Sheena Queen of the Jungle, 1984. Uh, the first, uh, yeah, female-led uh, superhero movie. I'll tell you what, actually, I'll go on a slight tangent. The 
the wave of uh, female-led action heroes, I think, has been, and I, I guess because it's a, a genre that's still, or a medium that's still in relative infancy when compared to movies, um, is computer games. And this is probably a topic for another another um, podcast, but the dearth of like strong female-led um, characters in computer games is... You know, obviously everyone's going to cite Lara Croft, but you know, I, I think there's a and and that, all of that stems from you know lack of diversity in um, game designers and in lead positions in studios and stuff like that as well. But that's a, that's another area that's that's uh, lagging seriously behind in terms of um, strong female-led games mm. or characters in games. Right. But yeah, I just wanted to. Throw that one in there. Yeah, I actually, I actually wouldn't have thought it was it would it was as as bad as that. But no, that's interesting mm. to that I hadn't actually considered it from that perspective um, as well. Like sort of the notion of gaming. Um, I think it's like it's like anything, right? It's uh, if you if you don't if there's not a level of the creatives in an industry will tend to write things that they're familiar with. So if you have a lot of the creative leads that are all from one specific demographic, they will tend to create and write based on their, you know, their experiences and their, their knowledge. So, you know, this is why, you know, initial Lara Croft was all big square boobs and, and tiny outfits. And then, you know, that kind of got changed as, as things moved forward. But, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's something that hopefully will eventually start to get better. But, mm. Yeah, I actually didn't realize how how kind of sparse female led movies were. So, uh, I, I'm if I've missed any, please shout them out. But from what I had found, uh, in kind of putting this this list together, there's got this has to be wrong. So I, I fully accept that. But so we have. Sheena and Swiftly Followed by Supergirl, both 1984. Um, Red Sonja, which we discussed already, 1985, as it stems from literary roots as well. Um, and then, this can't be right, there is a 19-year gap until Halle Berry takes the titular role of Catwoman in 2004. That can't be right. What come back, Dad. Um, <laughs> wait, what year was Catwoman? What year was Catwoman? Uh, 2004. Okay. So what year did Resident Evil come out? Hang on. I don't have Resident Evil on my list. Is that... Well, that wouldn't come from... Oh, sort of this is in the notion of superheroes, though. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, sorry, yeah, I thought you meant... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we have yeah. Catwoman 2004, Elektra 2005, yep. and then 12 years go by, and then we get Wonder Woman 2017, Captain Marvel 2019. That's yeah. insane. I mean, is that more to do with the dearth of comic book quality? Uh, Say quality, but is it more to do with the dearth of comic book movies? Because remember, you know there there was that the the comic book movie 
genre, I guess. It's, it's kind of come in fits and starts from, you know, the 80s to the 90s. You get like a couple of films here and a couple of films there outside of your, your Batmans and your Supermans. But um, yeah, I mean, what do you reckon, Dan? Like, is it, um, am I am I missing something? I, I, I believe that it's something to do with the fact that there weren't really any strong comic book, like any urgency from studios to make comic book movies, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, that plays a part in it. It's not just purely that they didn't want to make a female-led um, superhero film. I think it, it it's partially, you know, it's partially luck and it's partially the fact that there's, you know, there, there just wasn't that many good superhero films being made by any of the studios at that time. Um, but I think one of the things that we could have an entire podcast on is the fact, you know, I think I think you hinted at this, um, TJ, is that if we have more female writers, producers, and directors in Hollywood, then we will get, you know, better female-fronted action films. Well, better all round. Uh, and I think that there's that's where there is the, the, a bit of disparity and that's where things don't always meet in the middle. Um, you know, you, you think that, okay, Star Wars, in theory, that franchise is led by Kathleen Kennedy. But if you talk about the the recent films, the recent sequels, I don't think that there's one female role that either they went too far and made a woman a key decision maker for the sake of it and made her into a hated character, or then you've got like Gwendolyn Christie, who was a brilliant character, uh, who for some reason had you know no more than fifteen minutes screen time and got killed twice. But um, yeah, curious. A b- brilliant point about, um, you know, having more kind of women in those decision-making roles. A perfect point to end on, actually. I mean, it's, there was a, I always forget who said it, but that th- there are words that really kind of, kind of, you know, had an impact on me. I, I, it was a, it was a, a prominent actress. I, I wish I could remember who it was or, or wish I could find who it was, but they talked about Wonder Woman, which again, Patty Jenkins, uh, as the director of that movie as well, there, uh, uh, an actress talked about welling up, like literally physically welling up during the first, say 10 minutes of, of watching, uh, Gal Gadot's, uh, Wonder Woman, uh, movie, because in the first 10 minutes, there's like, there's no men, it's strong, powerful warrior women, not talking about men, and in complete control. And the the actress that was citing this said they they just welled up after realizing that in about ten minutes of this movie. And you know that's that's a that's a experience none of us are gonna you know have in in, in the within the context of gender. Uh, so you know, uh, I, I yeah, that, that's kind of a, a sentiment that's always really kind of stuck with me and that's why i was always very very happy for you know obviously the success of that movie and why obviously it's going to always going to be important to uh you know to keep you know pushing that 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 perception of of strong independent uh women as characters and filmmakers uh why yeah it's obviously yeah it's pivotal that that proceeds 
I think, um, yeah, I mean, you're right. That, that, that's something that none of us will be able to even um, get close to experiencing from a gender perspective. I think I think I kind of understand the perspective from, and again, it, obviously there have been um, black-led movies and black, uh, uh, movies are done by, you know, produced and directed by, you know, strong black directors and strong black leads. But I, I, I feel, and again, as a massive comic book geek, I felt an affinity and a, and a similar sort of feeling as to when I saw the Black Panther movie mm. and how um, a black African country was represented. And I know it's, it's a fantasy movie, it's a comic movie, and all but just to see that portrayed on the screen in such a strong and powerful way and, um, yeah, just that, the whole, that whole movie... That gave me that the you know similar sort of similar sort of feels if mm. you wanna if you wanna call it that way. Yeah, and we talked about it. I think last time we spoke or the episode prior, uh, Miss Marvel. You know, my my daughter being able to watch that, and she said the words. It was the most beautiful thing. Where she, a couple of episodes in, she went, "That's me," and it was the most yeah. beautiful thing for her, for her as an eleven year old to kind of see on screen, and that's that meant the world to me to kind of be able to see her experience that and it's crazy again with with black panther with with wonder woman with with miss marvel you know in with those contexts um you know that it takes so long uh and it, but when it happens it's it's usually a beautiful thing so uh so yeah i think i think to your point that's the key it's it's seeing seeing yourself represented yeah. in a cool way i think that's more powerful than people probably actually realize mm. perfect Perfect note to end on uh, as well. Um, thank you uh, both. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Tej, uh, for uh, obviously joining in today. It's been a super cool topic. I've, I've wanted to do this for a while, and I, I, I hope we, um, uh, yeah, did justice to, to the conversation and, uh, yeah, tipped our hats to some incredible uh, performers, uh, actresses, uh, performances, and roles uh, as well. And, um, yeah, hopefully it's something we can revisit in different contexts in time to come. Um, again, thank you both. Teej, we're going to miss you for a couple of episodes, dude, but we obviously look forward to hearing all about your uh, incredible, incredible uh, trip. So, yeah, I hope you, we hope you have a fantastic time with you. Uh, okay um, you can find us gang and once again at foreverinelectricdreams.com uh, we'd love for you to check out this episode past episodes uh, tell a friend to tell a friend and until next time gang cheers bye see ya hello hello <laughs>